Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Blog Talk Radio. Hey you guys and welcome to the Steel Wars Call-In Show. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And for the next 90 minutes, we'll be taking your calls live on whatever you would like to talk about in the Star Wars universe. We'll also have a guest, uh, Jamie Stangroom, will be joining us pretty soon to talk about his documentary project, The Empire Strikes Door. And uh, we're just waiting for him to pop in. I'll send him a direct message now. Where you at? That's how the kids talk on Twitter, you guys. Big shout out to everyone that's chilling in the chat room. We are doing a special UK-friendly time. I will uh, get through a bit of office work. I appeared this week on a really fun Star Wars podcast called Star Wars Geek Girl, which is uh, with Zoe and Lizzie, two Sabine-loving cosplayers. And uh, if you're trying to connect a Star Wars podcast family tree, Lizzie is Sal Perales' daughter who appears with us on Making Star Wars Now This Is Podcasting. So it was a really fun chat, a total different look at Star Wars fandom from the often grumpy men you are forced to hear on Star Wars podcasts continually. A lot more giggling in this one. And I'll also be on tomorrow's YouTube show of Black Series Rebels, which was super fun chatting Star Wars with those guys. That's a great show. The first two episodes are up. So uh, if you are a YouTube viewer, go click on Black Series Rebels. Click your uh, little subscribe. And while you're at it, click uh, subscribe on the Steel Wars YouTube channel because there is some exciting things happening there in the next couple of weeks. And in the meantime, you can watch my interviews with Kathleen Kennedy and all the gang from The Last Jedi, Daisy Ridley and all the crew. Also, something that I have neglected for our Patreon users is for our immeasurable supporters, you get a shout out every month on the show so i'm gonna do those rebecca edwards who's a great supporter of the show from perth australia she has chosen her shout out for the month get ready for this you guys get your kleenex out or your uh your white brand of choice or it can be a no-name brand i'm 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 here for um communists and capitalists 
alike, but she would like her shout-out for the month to go out to Emily Lind for being such an awesome Star Wars fan and for her love of Australian podcasts in general. She shows us all how to be a really cool fan. Keep up the great work, Emily. So that's really cool. Using a plug for that. Shout out to Emily, who's in the chat room right now. And uh, Jordan O'Mara, he would like to give his shout out to his friend's podcast called Console Yourself. And if you didn't pick up on that plug, it's a video game podcast going in depth on a different game each month. So who knows? I'm sure if you go there this month, there's probably a bit of Star Wars talk with everyone going crazy over Battlefront 2. And our next plug is for Eric Struthers, who edits the show. And if he would like you to know that if you're looking for a really screen-accurate Ray or Luke lightsaber or any that he can find the help for, Eric builds them. So if you're interested in a great fan-built lightsaber, you can hit him up on Twitter or Facebook at Eric Struthers. Now, let's see if we can get Jamie on the show. Jamie, are you there? Jamie, you can Skype in. Uh, I'm just answering his questions on the uh, DMs. And anyone that wants to call can Skype in. If you go to uh, 646-668-8360, and if you're on Skype and you are international, you want to change it to your calling to America, which adds the plus one. So we'll be doing that. If you want some entertainment, apart from this podcast, I would check my Twitter feed this morning because some anti-Disney Twitter campaigner was having a... Uh, quite a, a cry at me and some other people about the Disney-owned Star Wars films, the evil Disney corporation. Now, I would say that if you are so angry at these Star Wars Disney films, just stop watching them. Go find something else. Go watch the old movies. I think campaigning against them Resisting Disney is an amazing waste of your time and energy because you ain't stopping nothing. And using terms like resist, let's be honest, it is an insult to people around the world that are resisting things that are actually real and is worthwhile. So don't embarrass us normal Star Wars fans with such blither, please, please don't. I'm going to try someone that's on Skype. Skype, can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you. Who have we got here? Is this Ross? This is Ross. Ross, what's going on in the world of Star Wars for you, buddy? Hey, man, this seems to be yeah, a common thing with the UK. Like the, only, the only other time I've called in was with details, and the same, same thing happened there, so... I think it is the UK, according to the UK. I don't know that, man, but uh, we'll get there, we'll get there. What, what's, uh, what's your Star Wars week been like? Um, it's been pretty good. Uh, just listening to a few of your shows, uh, a few of your other podcast uh, episodes, and a few of uh, 
few other podcasts. Um, so, yeah, just been trying to keep up with some of the news. It's been slow, uh, but mainly I've just been thinking a lot about uh, how to make one of your Max Rebo beanbags. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with that Max Rebo beanbag. Was it you that photoshopped it? Yeah, I did a little Photoshop. I had a, a slow day at work, so I thought oh, it'd be quite fun to put together. I mean, they can't be yeah. too hard to, to make, right? You just get a bit a blue bean bag and stick some other bits on the side for the ears and a bit for the nose and googly eyes. So yeah. that might be a little project to start, maybe. If you've got talent, it might not be that hard. But that is something I do not possess in the stitching department. So if you can show me how easy it is by making it and then sending it to me, you'll, you'll really prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just do like a, a YouTube craft, craft show. Yeah, but I would end up like stitching myself to the laptop or something. I can't do it. <laughs> this is for someone else. I'm the talker, not the stitcher. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If I, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll see whether I can uh, get around to do that. I think I have a sewing machine somewhere. Like I went to when I went to the secret cinema thing a couple of years ago, the Empire Strikes Back. I borrowed a friend's sewing machine so that I could put together a costume because I don't do any kind of cosplay or anything. So I wanted to put together a costume. So I think I still have the friend's sewing machine here, or maybe I gave it back. I'm not sure, but I can have a look. Wow, talking about crafty, borrowing someone's sewing machine then just probably not giving it back. What a long con you're running there. It has been a bit of a slow news week. The two things that sort of stuck out to me was, um, this is just like a non-thing, Empire Magazine named Empire Strikes Back the second greatest film of all time, which I, I see people complaining about. I don't, it's a, it's a listen a vote or a read a vote, and who cares? Like, I think those, those polls come out like all the time. Like number one was The Godfather, and number two was Empire Strikes Back, and I think, I'm not sure what else was in there, Pulp Fiction. And it's just like, it's the same, the same movies. And obviously they're good movies, but there's no reason to have these polls all the time because they're, they're always the same. Uh, I, I think the reason is this, what's happening now, that we're now talking about Empire Magazine. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I don't know, the list, it's, it's, you know, it's just for internet to debate and stuff. But I, I, just, I just saw some people getting upset about it. Star Wars came in at number nine and uh, I think Jaws was in the top ten. I think Raiders, Pulp Fiction, yeah. Godfather at number one and I don't know, they're all good films. There's no, it's just one film's at the top of the list, another one isn't. Doesn't change the yeah. film. Doesn't change the film. No. But um, some interesting news coming out of this week was uh, Colin Trevorrow's Book of Henry just getting panned, panned by reviewers. Actually, I, while I was on Empire Magazine, I did check, and I think they gave it three stars. They, they didn't seem to mind it, but... Three stars isn't too bad. I mean, that was like... The, I, I was originally going to have a, a question that I uh, thought of this morning just from seeing all the stuff online about 
the the potential possibilities of Edgar Wright doing a movie or something Star Wars related, or there was some comments about um, um, the the Patty Jenkins, like the, the, the Wonder Woman apparently doing really well. I've not seen it yet, but it's been doing really well. So I think my my question originally was going to be about sort of directors and favorite directors to be you know do a Star Wars movie, but uh, yeah, I've not. I think the only Colin Trevorrow film I've seen maybe might be Jurassic World. And I think with those kind of franchise things, and I guess with Star Wars as well, you've got a sort of a bit of a small window of scope of experimentation, I guess, or they're so going to be so confined by Disney and Lucasfilm that I think Colin Trevorrow's Star Wars film won't be bad it will be good it will probably be as good as any of the other star wars like recent films like it will probably be as as good as uh, you know the force awakens just because i don't know it just seems after hearing everything which happened with gareth edwards it just seems that a lot of the reins are taken away from the director and they're basically told okay this is the movie to make and it has to be within these parameters and they're checked over and over edited and over edited. So with all the, 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 the whole concern with his new movie book of Henry getting like 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, I, I don't think that's going to, you know, be a good you know way to judge what his Star Wars movie is going to be like, because Disney and Lucasfilm won't allow there to be a Star Wars movie that's going to get 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, to be honest, I haven't gone to watch Safety Not Guaranteed yet. I've got to get around to that. But Jurassic World, like, it had great action scenes and stuff, but the logic in it was disastrous. Like, they're just the logic of... 20 years ago on that island, there was dinosaurs escaped and killed everyone. And then they build the exact same theme park on that island and don't seem that prepared for the event of dinosaurs getting out and killing everyone. And, and also the actors didn't seem to react. Like the, the acting, like the reactions to dinosaurs compared from Jurassic Park to Jurassic World is just a world apart like you know like the, the the kids in jurassic park like their terror of the dinosaurs was was spot on and i remember that bit when all the the, the pterodactyls or whatever attacked everyone and um the lady running the park it's her fault pretty much and her yeah. um, assistant just got killed in you know one of the most amazing ways possible by flying dinosaur and then like a minute later she's sort of like having this flirty argument with star lord and it's like shouldn't you be reacting to the massacre that you're responsible for just me yeah. just me maybe i am uh you know feeling too guilty um all right i think i've got jamie here on skype jamie is this you still Jamie, we've you got me? you. You've got me. I'm yours. I can hear you. Ross, I'm just going to put you on hold for a sec. 
and uh, I will um, go to a, a different Brit. Uh, Jamie from These Are The Actors You Are Looking For. How you doing, buddy? Still, I'm just happy to be here, eventually. I feel, I feel like we've gone retro. I'm Skyping in. <laughs> what is this new devilry? I, I think me talking to myself about Star Wars is quite retro, actually. But, so um, let's, let's find out a bit about yourself. If, if those that don't know, Jamie does this awesome YouTube program, These Are The Actors You're Looking For, and you've interviewed some great guests. I just saw one with uh, Billy D. Williams, and mm. uh, you've had Jeremy Bullock on, you've had Femi Taylor on, but probably the guest I am most jealous of is Ahmed Best, Jar Jar Binks. Now, that turned into a bit of a, a mega episode of yours. I think the last time I looked at it, you had about half a million, well above that. Tell us about yeah. uh, that very interesting interview. Well, I thought you were building up to the episode with the bloke who played Jabba the Hutt's tail, but fine. We can go with Ahmed Best. Because <laughs> that's the thing, right? There were like seven people in Jabba, including Mike Edmonds, who was also low-grade Ewok, in the tail. Which is... it's, it's, it's hard to believe there was an Ewok in that tail. Like, for me, it feels like the story is that Jabba just ate an Ewok hole, and now he's just sitting back there. Yeah, working, working in that tail, <laughs> working that tail. But yeah, Ahmed was, um, I mean, I reached out to him on Twitter and I must have caught him at a good time because, I mean, he pretty much, apart from going to the occasional celebration or official convention, he pretty much separated himself from the Star Wars world, including conventions as well. He just stopped doing them. Um, yeah, I still, I tweeted him. I guess I, I, guess I uh, publicly tweeted him it was a public tweet and then we moved to dming and for some reason he agreed to do an interview on skype with me and we did it and it was supposed to be a bit of fun i mean at the end we do uh the taken monologue uh, he performed it in the voice of uh Jar Jar, and it was meant to be a bit of fun like that throughout but it just turned into quite a deep chat to be honest and i think because he hadn't really ever publicly about his Star Wars experience. He sort of just went for it, really. And as you mentioned, the response, I'd never, ever expected that from a, you know, a 12-minute a, a Skype interview. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite fascinating. What, before I, I, I started doing the podcast, I, it, it never occurred to me how like, passionate, almost to a fault, people were in in both tearing down and defending the prequels. It definitely, it, it felt like when you were chatting to him, it, it, had, it had some effect, mm. like on him. Like he definitely seemed a bit very guarded or, 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 or almost scarred by the whole thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think people, I mean, it's easy if you dislike a character. I mean, Jar Jar, you really dislike Jar Jar if you dislike him. It's easy to forget that there is, you know, a man behind a gun gun. And that man was given a script. You know, that man was actually road testing new amazing technology that really Andy Serkis has been credited with since, with Gollum. But this was pre-Gollum, pre-Gollum times. You know, Ahmed Best did a good job. He was given a script. What you think to that script is up to you. He was given a script and he did his job as an actor and, and you know, 
I think you can only say he did a good performance, whether you like the character Jardio is, is a separate thing. So it burnt him as a, as a Star Wars fan, which is probably the saddest part, really. Yes, it affected him as an actor. You know, he wasn't even being seen, you know, for auditions based on that reputation. But I think it's more heartbreaking, really, that it destroyed, for a time anyway, I think he's back, but destroyed his love for, for Star Wars. And he was a genuine fan. You know, this was, this was the big moment for him, as it would be for any of us. Yeah, I, I, I hope he sort of opens himself back up to like, the fandom. I know he did a, um, like a comedy sort of book launch event at the Largo in LA recently that Michael Giacchino was actually involved in as well. But, you know, as Hayden Christensen discovered at Celebration in Orlando, I, I think the, the majority of the fan base is, is, you know, very keen to welcome, you know, those actors back with a very a warm response. Like, like Hayden got like a standing ovation. And I know uh, a certain person sitting next to me was screaming her head out at, um, <laughs> at, at, at um, her, his very presence in the room. So, yeah, I, and there's also this thing of just like, if you don't like something in this silly space film, move on. Like, it's not, like, it's fine to have an opinion and, you know, critique stuff, but you only should dedicate a certain amount of energy to uh, expressing that opinion before you're kind of coming through as a little bit deluded and misguided. So, uh, and that, I, I got a bit of that this morning with uh, this anti-Disney. Is that, like, I'm not sure how sort of deep into the, the current fan base uh, you're in, but is someone campaigning against Disney-made Star Wars films like shocking to you or is that sort of par for the course? Someone is in one person. It, well, it, it, it is a few single one people, I think. Okay. I, I do find that, I mean, actually I, I read, um, I mean, I, I come from like a, like a radio background. I'm still working out this YouTube thing. I saw, I've not started to class myself as a YouTuber. So therefore I'm reading all the comments because apparently YouTubers don't read their comments, but I'm reading them all. So I'm reading some, uh, not uh, Jar Jar Binks level of hate, but I read some sort of nasty things that obviously about me because I have ridiculous hair, but I, <laughs> I do get the odd, um, I do get the odd Disney, Disney basher actually uh, to the point where they, they're telling me they won't even watch the films. And it's like, well, you haven't even given Disney a chance then, have you? Yeah, but like, if you're not, if you, I just think if you've made the decision, and I respect that. If someone goes, I don't like these films, I'm not watching them. Great. But don't spend every waking hour of your day telling people about it on the internet. Like, it's sort of, got you're just going on about what you're not doing. What are you doing? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's having that classic thing. If you don't like someone, something, fine. But let others who do like that thing get on with it. But then again, I'm a... I'm a I'm a contradiction right now because I signed petitions, you know, because I didn't like the Brexit result and all sorts. So uh, <laughs> I'm just as bad. No, that's it's not because politics, that's an actual, that, that's like a real life thing that affects people. This is a yeah, space there's movie. A there's a point. Like when they, it, it, I find it offensive when they use the rhetoric of like a political campaign that, um, you know, holds people's futures you know, in the balance, when they use that wording and that level um, 
of sort of chat like about like what happens to like these like Jedi that like you look I, this is a big spoiler but they don't actually exist and uh, life will continue moving on and and this is coming from someone that's dedicated a lot of their time to you know loving the films but you know yeah. that's just and also my... it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't wrestled away from George Lucas he sold it for actual money. Hmm. So it's, it's not like uh, it was stolen from him, you know. But. Yeah, I, I would argue he probably should have sold it for a little bit more. It's weird when you see things like like mega sales of things and how they're valued. Like it, it sort of seems in retrospect that four billion wasn't that much for it. But not really when you look at how much one film makes. One yeah. of these films makes. And, and just what other things sell for and stuff. It's just like, I don't know. I, I, it's, and, uh, and didn't he give a nice, he gave a nice percentage of the sale to charity, did he not? So, I mean, obviously it's great that he did that, but if he got more money, he could have given more money to charity. George, <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I, I've wondered that as well, about that he was going to donate it all. So maybe he didn't push that hard a bargain. But then also, it's like, even if you were going to keep the money, what's the difference between four and five billion dollars? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I wouldn't mean? know. Like, it's sort of at that point. But I also think that's why I'm not mega rich, because I just don't care. Like, it's sort of just like, why would, like, I think mega rich people, they just keep going. Like, they don't, they don't go, oh, okay, that's enough money. I'm going to go relax. I'm going to go Skype people about Star Wars. So that's our problem. We should be yeah, working but... the stock market right now, Jamie. Yeah, we're in the wrong game, mate. We're in the wrong game. But I guess also with Lucas, I mean, his mindset was sort of almost going back to the beginning of his career. He wanted to go off and make little indie films again, didn't he? I, I haven't seen or heard anything of these aforementioned indie films, but I guess in some ways he had sort of moved on from the money in some ways, creatively at least, although he's, he's, although he's made nothing, nothing since. Yeah, and I think there is the theory that, you know, he just wanted the company to be in good hands. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and Disney was the best, you know, people in the world to, you know, look after the franchise and, and keep, you know, everyone that worked at Lucasfilm employed. Because I, I, I read an interview with him about, you know, he was sort of like, you know, he just wanted to make these sort of things to entertain himself, these little films. But he's running, you know, a company that employs like 800 people. And so their futures are sort of were in the balance of his, you know, billionaire whims. So yeah. that's, that's, that's sort of benevolent of him as well. But let's, let's talk about your project that you've got coming up, and that is The Empire Strikes Door. Now, That's one, correct. Of my, one of my most enlightening moments is as a Star Wars fan, when it, it just sort of it blew my mind away, was in the mid-'90s, I had gone to um, Shane Morrissey's house. Shane Morrissey is a, a very... Um, one of the OG Star Wars fans in Australia. He founded the Star Walking Fan Club and he, he's appeared on the podcast a few times, did some, 
some great episodes of Steel Wars talking about how Star Wars fandom in Australia began. And I went to his house to interview him for a fanzine I was doing. And he mentioned just in passing about the stormtrooper that hit his head. And, you know, yeah. this, is, this is before the internet was cracking. And uh, the, the guy at the, at the comic book shop was pretty much your internet, your news and rumours. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? The stormtrooper that hits his head. And he goes, oh, you don't know. And then he put on the video of uh, A New Hope, a VHS. And I, I can't, I, I would find it hard to uh, think that anyone listening to this show hasn't seen it. But when the stormtroopers come into the control room, when R2-D2 are in there and, and, and Luke and the crew are in the trash compactor, the stormtrooper to our right cracks his head on the door. And in later versions of the film, they add in sound effects of, of the noise hitting. Thank you, Ben Burt. I'd, I'd love to know to, the two things you tap together to make that infamous noise. But um, as sort of people have, have interviewed all these, these actors from, from the original Star Wars, it has become a bit contentious who was actually the stormtrooper in that suit. And your project, is going to set out to try to solve that mystery. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's this minor thing that is just so wonderful and so just not important to the actual narrative of that film, yet everybody eventually, you know, notices it. And and we're still talking about it today on a, on a podcast of all things. So, yeah, with the, with the videos that you mentioned for YouTube, the idea was that I'd go out and find the actors stroke characters that hadn't been so far recalled to uh, the rebooted franchise. So therefore, as I mentioned, uh, Jabba the Hutt's tail, of course, uh, Jar Jar Ahmed, as we, as we mentioned, uh, Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett, and of course the big one, Billy uh, D as, as Lando. And I would I'd track them down, do an interview with them and then make like a fun, uh, sometimes I'm not allowed to use the word audition, uh, but basically an audition tape to kind of show people that they've still got what it takes. Maybe getting back in a, in a future film. So that's the sort of premise of these videos. And this Stormtrooper uh, was supposed to be an episode. I, you know, I wanted to find a Stormtrooper who bumped his head, probably the most famous Stormtrooper, the actual only Stormtrooper that sort of connected with something, I suppose, whether he was aiming for it or not. And it was difficult. <laughs> he he was connected difficult. with our hearts and the door. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I've said this before, but it's, uh, it's, it's cinema's most concussive uh, blooper. Uh, and it is iconic. I think it has been voted the most famous, um, you know, uh, mistake in movie history. And I was just struggling. I mean, who plays Greedo? Easy. Google it. You'll find out. And then you'll find that he's at every single convention around the world because he has a time machine, a travel machine uh, every weekend of the year. So it's not a problem. You know, you go to the convention, the most local one to you and, and meet him and do your thing. But with the Stormtrooper, there was multiple people claiming it was them. So there's a guy called um, Michael Leader who is now dead. Um, so I won't say too much about, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but he had done a video on YouTube saying, uh, I'm the one who uh, bumped my head. It's cinema's most famous blooper. It was me. Yeah, I got hold of his uh, phone number because he is or was an extra on uh, EastEnders, which is like the BBC soap opera. And mm -hmm. um, I, worked, I worked for the BBC sometimes, so I got hold of his phone number, gave me a call, and I didn't go into 
you know, the nitty gritty of uh, head bump gate, I, I just said, I'd like to talk to you about your time working on Star Wars. And he got very sort of flustered and said, um, oh, no, uh, I work for EastEnders. I'm the milkman. Basically telling me it's kind of a big deal. Uh, he's not allowed to talk to the press. Uh, sorry, bye. And basically hung up on me. <laughs> the milkman from EastEnders just hung up on me. So I called EastEnders, the press office, and said, um, is Michael not allowed to do any press? And they were quite surprised by this and said, no, 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 it's not a problem at all. We're happy for you to you know, promote the show you know, in good taste. We're happy for you to talk to Michael. Uh, we'll let him know and you can take it from there. day later, I get an email from EastEnders saying, um, sorry, Jamie, Michael just doesn't want to talk to you. Mm. And then he died. Uh, so I never spoke to him in the end. Um, and another guy who's probably the other most prominent um, sort of person out claiming it was him is a guy called Laurie Good, and he does appear at quite a lot of conventions. Um, he, he did agree to talk to me. I've, I've, I've done the interview with him already. And I was on a radio show um, in the UK talking about the, the videos in general. And I mentioned the stormtrooper uh, who bumped his head in passing in comment, as I kind of seem to be doing now in just sort of everyday conversations with people in the street. And then after the show, I got an email from, uh, from a young lady. It doesn't happen to me very often. Um, in person, any kind, of young la- any kind of lady talking to me, really. It's, it's a rarity. So I was excited. <laughs> and, then, and then the star I could not imagine oh. any girl in the world not wanting to caress their fingers through your luscious locks, Jamie. Or I've man. imagined it. I've imagined it. Still. I've been limited to just imagining it, to be honest. Um, but I got an email from this girl t- telling me she's the daughter of an actor from the original Star Wars, and he heard me on this radio show and asked me to get in touch. Daughter stroke PA. Um, and uh, he says he's the one who bumped his head. So I'm like, okay, right, they're all coming out of the, the woodwork now. So this is three people. And this guy's called um, Martin Reed. He is still alive. And I met him, and this is probably more for UK, maybe European listeners. He was one of the Captain Birdseyes. The Captain Birdseye was in... TV advert promoting uh, frozen fish fingers, basically. And he was the captain uh, who would go out and sort of, uh, you know, uh, fish for this um, delicious uh, meal that we would have uh, with beans and chips uh, on, a, on every night of the week uh, in my household. And uh, he, he was claiming, he, he's claiming it's him as well. So basically three people are claiming it's them. Um, and if you believe certain, um, I mean, when Michael Leader died, for example, uh, it made it into quite a lot of the press. And he was being credited as the stormtrooper who bumped his head. Now, I started this uh, investigation way before he passed away. So I'm not trying to sort of, again, speak ill of the dead. But he has no more right than any of the other two to claim it was him. Now, of course, I imagine there were lots of stormtroopers bumping their heads on set. But the three of them have stated that they were actually in that position, in that scene. And all of them, the only consistent thing that they all say is that they heard nobody call cut. um, And they just presumed because they did another take afterwards they just presumed it would never ever see the light of day so we're all equally surprised when it uh did make the final film now they've obviously all got slightly different stories as to how it happened Laurie goods being the most amazing which i can tell you about uh if, if you're ready for it um but yeah it, so it kind of became something more than just one of my little kind of five minute interviews and, and i like to have a bit of fun so i'm you know i'm turning it into an investigation it's kind of tongue-in-cheek i'm taking it very very seriously but of course it's just you know it's silly. It's nonsense, really. But at the same time, we might solve one of cinema's greatest mysteries. So um, you've opened the investigation, and you know, there's people disputing yeah. 
this. Um, you know, one guy wouldn't talk to you. Have you had any, like, um, have you woken up with, like, a torn, torn head in your bed as a warning to stay away from the secrets of the head-bumping stormtrooper? Is, has there been any threat? Yeah, I mean, waking up to a severed tauntaun head has happened on many occasions in my life, a pre-stormtrooper who bumped his head investigation. So <laughs> for me, it's like it's business as usual. But I mean, I I haven't had any kind of hostility towards me uh, <laughs> in regards to it. But I I am finding hostility between these actors and I absolutely love it. I'm thriving on the hostility because they are just... Uh, slinging mud at each other and the next job oh this is wonderful the next job is to get them in the same room together the two that are still still with us of course oh, and oh, do oh. polygraph tests i'm just getting set for the world's first stormtrooper cat fight this is going to be great it is and to the point where like one said oh we earned i'm just giving random figures here. i'd have to go back through the interview uh, footage but One's like, oh, we earned uh, five pounds for a day's work um, on Star Wars, which I guess at the time, five pounds would have been quite a lot. What's that in dollars? Probably about eight or nine dollars, maybe. Um, then another one's saying, um, oh, we earned like, he's, you know, he's gone overboard. He's, he's indulging. They, he earned like 30 pounds for a day's work. And the other one's like, absolutely not. So, you know, it's just these little things all arguing about. And I mean, there are eyewitnesses out there as well. So um, I'm hoping to talk to more people who were, uh, uh, on set that day um also learn a little bit about stormtrooper outfits because i'm hearing one of them's talking about um them having to actually adapt the helmet at some point during the filming of the death star scenes because they were slipping over people's eyes uh, so much so uh, i need to see if there's any truth to that because the other one's denying that ever happened so uh, someone's lying basically i'm gonna find out which mm. one so there's a lot to be, um, there's a lot of conjecture, but have you been able to prove that all three of these actors were actually stormtroopers in the film? So um, this is where it gets interesting. So Michael, if it does ever get interesting, uh, Michael Leader, the one who passed away, refused to talk to me. He has been confirmed as being on set. Gary, Gary Kurtz, the producer of the original Star Wars films, confirmed that he was on set. Also, another stormtrooper who, the only one I've met who's not claiming it was him, uh, is called Chris Bum. Uh, he, and actually, he claims to be the original stormtrooper. He says uh, that they actually molded the, uh, the armor on his bod. He's um, got a square pecs. And he said he remembers Michael Leader being on set as well. So, he also confirms that Laurie Good was on set. Now, he also tells me that Martin Leader, Captain Birdseye, was, as far as he knows, not on set. He doesn't recognize him. I showed him pictures. He doesn't Ooh. recognize him. However, I'll go back to Gary Kurtz. Gary Kurtz. Maybe Gary Kurtz was just sitting on the fence. Maybe he's that kind of guy. But he said he recognized all three of them. So... I need to, what I need to do, and this is why I'm sort of taking it further, because hopefully it will sort of be a bit interesting anyway to find a little bit out about how this ended up in the edit, why they chose to use this take, because they did, you know, do other takes. But I'd like to talk to, like, the editors, but also the, the second assistant directors, you know, who would have the call sheets that day, um, see if the names match. So there's, there's things we can do that I'm, I'm planning on doing, that I'm, I'm trying to do, but I do believe that at least two of the three were definitely on set 
Now, if Martin Reed, Captain Birdseye, wasn't on set, I'd be quite disappointed. You know, I've already spent like half a day with him, you know, and he spent half a day lying to my face, uh, essentially. But I, I think he was. I think he was on set. And he's got, an, he's got a massive head. His head is huge. So it could well have been him. His head is absolutely it's ginormous. I've never seen anything like it. Um, so it probably was him. There's no way a helmet could have ever uh, neatly fitted uh, on top of that bunt. Um, I should tell you as well, Laurie Good, so the other one who has spoken to me whose head is not as impressive, uh, he says he had, and this has actually been out in the press recently, he had diarrhoea, and that's what led mm-hmm. to him bumping his head. Uh, so he ended up shuffling along the corridor. He had to go again for uh, the eighth time that day, perhaps. And uh, that's when he, when he banged his head. So he was a little bit kind of uh, all over the place due to uh, the, the movement happening uh, within. So, uh, yeah, I call him the storm pooper, by the way. Um, there you go for hour. I think that the real documentary here is Gary Kurtz's amazing memory that he can his actors forty years ago. Yeah, he, it was incredible. I mean, he, again, he he might have just been sitting on the fence, but he, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. I mean, I, how can you feel sorry for the guy? He was the producer on one of the greatest films of all time, but he loved Star Wars and for anyone who doesn't know it didn't end very well between him and George Lucas to the point where you know he practically named the Empire Strikes Back by the way he was actually the guy who pretty much came up with that title um, but they fell out after Empire and Gary Kurtz never made it on to Return of the Jedi those who are not fans of Return of Jedi I like Return of the Jedi uh, do suggest that perhaps not having his involvement might have affected the direction that film went in and the rumor has it i don't know if he's ever come out and said it outright but rumor has it it was the, the fallout was over the direction lucas was going in with the ewoks uh focusing more perhaps on you know characters that will sell toys and uh, i think gary kurtz wanted a darker film basically but he talks about it he's, he doesn't talk about it in a bitter way so it's it's a different um I mean, talking to Ahmed about Jar Jar, you're talking to him and he's still raw because it wasn't that long ago, really. Sure, it wasn't mm. quite long. Long enough to make me feel old now, but it wasn't in the grand scheme of things when you compare Gary Kurtz talking now in 2017 about filming in 1976, for example, on A, a New Hope. It, maybe it's just not as raw of him anymore, but he talks so passionately about Star Wars still and his experience of of working on it and there's a little bit of sadness there as well because he doesn't quite get the uh, recognition that he perhaps should you know he's not you know how Kathleen Kennedy is is so talked about within Star Wars circles these days as you know when the producers on the films and at Lucasfilm I, I I just feel he sort of he might feel like he's become a bit of a forgotten man in the Star Wars um, uh, universe but yeah he's, he's a really interesting guy and what a memory yeah, that is an amazing yeah. memory. So, you're right about the, um, you know, how you know, time sort of opens things up because I know um, they were making a, uh, a making of The Force Awakens book and the making of, of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi books were, you know, they were recently done in the past, like maybe five years and they were quite warts and all. And um, the, the author of those books had worked on this making of The Force Awakens book. And when it got, you know, it was finished. And when it got time to publish it, Lucasfilm, of, they, they put the kibosh on it. Because I think 
like they weren't willing to, you know, talk about the issues that the the film had and, and you know, the production had. It's like so soon after the film, whereas when you go back and read those, the making of books of, of Star Wars and Empire and Return of the Jedi, it is quite warts and all with, you know, debates over, you know, direction in the film and arguments like amongst the production team and stuff. So um, it, it's you sort of hope that in, in years to come that we'll sort of get to like enjoy those stories. But uh, I, I, it's, I always find very curious in any subculture why people dislike each other. Do you know what I mean? Like little like things yeah. that people have, like whether it's stamp collecting or, or pinball, or video games, all that sort of stuff. And uh, there was a, quite an interesting documentary that came out a couple of years ago called Elstree 1976, which I'm sure yeah. you have studied up on. And it, it sort of interviews a lot of the people Interview. that were on set. Now, um, I found very fascinating the hierarchy between... The, the these background character actors and the, the signings at conventions and stuff and there was a, there was a little bit of bitchiness between um, you know people that had speaking roles and people that were just under a helmet. Uh, have you encountered any of that in your in your interviews and research? Um, <laughs> I've encountered uh, a few off the record comments. Sure, sure, Steve. How long have you got? <laughs> got podcast, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what the problem is when the mic's on or when the camera's on? These people talking about the conventions, because uh, let's be honest, some are making a living out of it, some are, you know, topping up their pension out of it they're not going to say anything negative. They've got a lot of negative things to say, you know, and I'm, I'm sure some just don't want to be there. They, they've never, they've never seen Star Wars, you know, uh, never even saw it after, you know, when it was first released after being in it. Um, mm. They're never going to say that. They're never going to say that. It's, it's a shame because you could make a really, really interesting Watson or uh, convention documentary, you know, uh, focusing on these guys who attend them because, you know, it's got to be for some of them, you know, because I think some of them genuinely love it. Some of them do genuinely really enjoy it. And actually, you know, Jeremy Bullock, for example, he's he's so passionate about it. And he's a guy in his uh, probably late 70s, maybe even early 80s. And he is having the time of his life. He's getting paid to travel the world every week. He goes somewhere new in the summer. And he's just meeting people. And he just like, he likes to chat. He'll have a good chat. He's making a bit of pocket money. And he's seeing the world, like I mentioned. So he, he absolutely is so passionate about it and, and genuinely so. But I mean, the ones who aren't deep down passionate about it, they're just never going to say it because, of course, they don't want to fall out with the, the convention bookers and also the fans, you know, who are paying for the autographs and uh, the photo shoots or what have you. But um, I would love to tell you the, <laughs> a couple of the stories I have heard, but um, I'll have to wait until the person in question dies. I will speak ill of the dead. Jerry Bullock is someone that sort of got given the opportunity to, uh, you know, to the world for these conventions and has just made the most of it and has sort of embraced the fun of it. And he's, he's a real credit to, um, 
you know, the Star Wars fandom. Uh, that, that, that guy is awesome. He is. He absolutely is. And also, I would say the same uh, to, about Paul Blake, who played uh, Greedo. Um, he doesn't do as much as Jeremy, but i tell you why I would put him on the same level. Because him and Jeremy Bullock have both got thespian backgrounds. You know, they did Shakespeare. They did BBC radio drama. You know, they did sort of... Uh, in in some people's opinions, they they did what you would call proper acting. They're on stage, you know. They, they like I said, played Shakespeare stories, and you and then they go into something like Star Wars or maybe Doctor Who, and they're doing these conventions. And of course, everybody is buzzing on meeting them and only asking them. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns questions about Star Wars you know nobody wants to know about doing Hamlet nobody wants to know about being uh, in the BBC radio drama company's adaptation of the wind and the willows no one wants to know about that they want to know about Star Wars and you can imagine some of these actors who would probably never go to a convention anyway would be quite uh, rubbed up the wrong way by that mm. quite bitter mm. about it you know and I've, I've heard rumors of um actors within the Star Wars circles who, who actually are a bit like that down. Um, I'm sure everybody else has heard similar rumours. Actually, another one who has to, you have to take credit to, again, he doesn't do many conventions, far less than Paul Blake or Jeremy Bullock, is Ian McDermott. Again, still doing like, you know, sort of Shakespeare-style um, drama productions here in the UK. But if you get him on Star Wars, he's as passionate as anybody, as any of us. Yeah, and he, he, he was, he was in interview. Yeah, he was great at celebration, just like really entertaining. So uh, it it is. I don't know. It, it's it's it, it's so uh, refreshing when people can, you know, put away their like their I guess their pride a little bit and just run with it and go. Well, I'm here because of Star Wars, so I can either have the most fun ever with it, or you know, get grumpy that we're not talking about my role. On, on EastEnders or The Bill or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'd talk to anyone about their role in The Bill, though, to be fair. Oh, The Bill, that is... A, no, no, I don't want to start an international incident, but uh, not for me, <laughs> not for me. Okay, well, but um, before, we'll, we'll take some calls, but before we get to that, um, you're doing uh, a bit of crowdsourcing funding to to get the doc underway so give us the the sweet pitch on that yeah yeah thank you um so i have started it because again it was initially meant to be part of the standard these are the actors you're looking for like i say five six minutes seven minute episode but i ended up doing more interviews because of course people kept coming out of the the woodwork telling me it was them so um i've done initial interviews with two of the three actors rejected by one of them as i mentioned earlier I want to take this further. As I mentioned, I've spoken to Gary Kurtz. I want to talk to more people who are on set that day. Gary Kurtz has given me some names to speak to. They're not local to me. It's expensive. You know, even doing filming that is local because I've tried to get this to a certain quality. Um, 
and to maintain that it's it's you know i've run out of favors basically no one will help me anymore uh for free <laughs> and the big thing really that made me because i've never ever ever you know on some of my videos i don't even turn the ad uh the monetize button on uh mostly because i forget but i you know i don't make money out of these videos and I, I spend just being honest i spend i spend money on them you know i spend my own money on them like you know we all do we're doing it you know for for you know it's our passion uh really we love we love star wars and, and i and I, I do work in broadcasting so in, in some ways i should be sick and tired of doing stuff like this but but i want to talk about star wars i want to talk to people who are in star wars but i can't get anyone at the bbc or comedy central to commission that kind of thing so i'm doing it for myself and luckily a few people are enjoying it um but what really made me realize i've got to, I've, I've got to get some help from people with this one is when the two actors who i've spoken to agree to do the polygraph test because i have to do that i have to do that that's amazing. And to get them in the same room together as well, you know, and I will, I will stir, you know, they're old men. So of course I'm going to be a little bit respectful, um, but I will, I will stir it up. And I, 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 this is a UK reference, but I'll go Jeremy Kyle on their asses. Um, and it's got to be done. And, that, and they're not cheap. Polygraph tests are not cheap. So that was the, that's when I started to think about crowdfunding for the first time. And then it's like, well, hang on. When I call this a documentary, by the way, I'm not going to create something along the lines of 90 minutes about the stormtrooper who bumped his head for a split second in, in a Star Wars A New Hope. It, we're talking about 30 minutes, mini documentary uh, territory. But again, I want to talk to all these people. It all costs money. The polygraph tests are the, are the biggie, really. So yeah, I decided to take it to Indiegogo, The Empire Strikes Door. It's out there. Uh, and actually, I'm going to give you an exclusive steal if you'd like it. I love an exclusive. This is for you then, my friend. Um, mm -hmm. So one thing I thought of, because when you see these um, fan-funded films, like a, a fan-funded horror film, zombie film, um, they sometimes have, it's really cool, they sometimes have this perk. So if you contribute like quite a lot of money, like a, like $1,000 towards the film, you can be in the film. And not only in the film, you can be killed off in the film. And that's quite cool. But I, I can't really, you know, offer anything like that. This is still a very sort of small... I'm, I'm not looking for a big budget. I'm looking for, I was going to say, you know, I, I don't know if I want to support this project if you're going to be, like, killing fans in the middle of a documentary. That is, <laughs> I can't get behind one that. Way to, one way to get views, though, I suppose, uh, now that you mention it. But <laughs> one thing I thought about was having a jury, a virtual jury. So oh. I would have, like, I don't know, I mean, a jury, maybe what I'd like to have five to eight people, and I can offer... Some spots, exclusive spots, out to anybody who wants to pay the relevant sum of cash. Now, um, to lure people in, this is the exclusive because I have already got that on the website. But this is what's not on the website, and I probably um, mostly because I will forget as soon as this podcast ends. Uh, so you'll just keep this exclusive. You can just keep rolling with it. Um, you are the anti Gary Kurt. I am. I'm so bad. I need some Gary Kurtz in me. I need what, I need what, I need what he's been taking. Um, you need to do a Kurtz. <laughs> I've just been I've just been bumping my head too much. Um, I feel like the stormtrooper bumped his head. Honestly, <laughs> but I have got some stardust. I've sprinkled some stardust. So I have filled. How many have I filled? Is the memory issue again? I filled three spots in the jury already and there are spots for anyone else who wants to join and these three people are connected to the star wars well, one of them certainly directly connected to the star wars uh films 
and the other two certainly connected to uh, pop culture fandom in a, in a big way. Um, so I've not revealed who these people are, but I'm about to reveal for you still. Hit me. Ralph Garman. Ralph Garman. Where do I know him from? So Ralph Garman um, does a lot of sort of... Uh, he's on, is it K-Rock, the station in LA? The radio station? Is it K-Rock? Yeah. He's on, yeah. He, do, he does voices on Family Guy, and um, he's one of those people that you sort of know without knowing, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. So when you, when you look at his sort of uh, IMDb and... Um, whatever sort of uh, web shows he does. you kind of like, I know Ralph Garman. But anyway. Oh, no, no. That's what I was thinking. Someone, uh, Chris in the chat room has just chimed in. And it's, yeah, it's Ralph that does um, the ha- Hollywood Babylon podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is, we're in the future now, Jamie. We don't need references to, to radio stations. It's podcast fame. That's what the kids are into. You're right. I've got, to, I've got to move on. It's the memory I keep forgetting that we're not in uh, 1932 listening to uh, radio <laughs> drama adaptations of The Wind in the Willows starring uh, Paul Blake and Jeremy Bullock. Oh, that's um, a good reference. Yeah. Number two, Greg Rumberg, Snap Wexley, The Force Awakens. Ooh, tight. Very nice. Number three, Kevin Smith. Wow. Wow, that is a... There's um, three headlining Comic Con guests that you've got there, pretty much. Yeah, man, and I'm hoping to add a final name to it in the next couple of days. And all I'll say is, um, he might be a WWE wrestler, and he might keep a list. Oh, nice! Very, no, I didn't very say cool. I didn't say anything. Very cool. uh... They're the kind of things I'm doing to lure people in to contribute into my silly little documentary. The Ayatollah of rock and roller for long-time wrestling fans. Uh, That is so cool. So, um, so, So what does... How do you get on this jewelry? Yeah, so I, the point will be, obviously, like any jury, you'll, you'll have a big say in the final result. So, of course, I can never really 100% prove who it was out of these three actors. It doesn't matter that one of them's not alive anymore, but really, even if he was, unless Lucasfilm are going to open up the archives to me, we're not really ever going to prove it. So I think we'll get very close with the polygraph test, with the eyewitnesses, with some of the information I've already got that I've, I've sort of not, I'm not giving you, sorry. Um, I've got to hold on to something. I've given you everything so far. Even things that I'm not allowed to say, i.e. the aforementioned, maybe, WWE wrestler guy. Um, but I have stopped short telling you a few bits and bobs. Um, so, I mean, already I have an idea in my mind of who it was. But we'll never get, you know, above, in my opinion, 90%. But we could get to 95%. And that would be throwing the power over to the jury. So I'll present the jury with the facts and they'll either, uh, so with the guys I mentioned, I'll record it over on, because I'm not, I'm not in the States. They're all uh, LA based actually. Um, I'll record it over Skype or FaceTime and they'll just simply give their vote and a quick um, testimonial as, as to why they're going with that person. So for anyone else um, joining the jury, so on the Indiegogo page, you can, um, you can get in ahead of the game because, like I say, I haven't updated it yet, and I definitely won't today um, or tomorrow and then next week. <laughs> um, 
I'm just a worst, aren't I? But you'll either self-shoot yourself or, uh, sounds, sounds a bit sinister, or you will chat to me on FaceTime or Skype and, again, just give your vote, quick reason why. Or if you don't want to be seen, you can email it to me and we'll do some fancy sort of text graphics, maybe Gil Sands or good old Ariel in the final film. So it'll be, it'll be really seen right at the end of the mini documentary, 30 Minutes because um, some people I'm reading comments like, I don't want to watch 90 minutes of this. It's like, neither do I. I don't want to make it. <laughs> you know, 30 minutes is what we're talking. Um, I'm not good at promoting my own stuff. So you'll have to say, you know, and I'll take the votes. Whoever has the most votes is the guy, is the guy as far as we're concerned. All right. Very nice. Can someone um, uh, get this reward, then appear in a Stormtrooper helmet and then claim they were the stormtrooper totally like corrupt the whole system depends how much they're contributing to be honest maybe i should add that as a perk <laughs> corrupt, corrupt my system for a million dollars yeah that, that i'm into that i'm but into that i i mean i'm not i'm not convinced there won't be any more uh who come out of the, the woodwork if it's free already there was probably quite a lot more than three well, definitely a lot more than three stormtroopers on set that day so I wouldn't be surprised if more start approaching me and then I'm going to have to, I can only afford two polygraph tests. So hopefully no more will come out, but it's one of them things, mate. It's a mystery. It's a real mystery. And um, the, the sad reality is that in, um, you know, about 20 years, you'll be doing a documentary about what CGI artists made the uh, stormtrooper do this or that in one of the prequel films. Well, didn't um, yeah, didn't uh, Django Fett, uh, as a little joke, he bumped his head, didn't he, in Attack of the Clones? He did bump his head, which would uh, always, for me, because, you know, like they, they say that by the time of A New Hope, it's, there's not so many clones, but there obviously was still one clone if uh, this head bumping thing was going on, if you put two and two together. And uh, what's the website that people, where, where do people go to check out this project? Um, yeah, good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I only built the page. Um, Indiegogo. So Indiegogo.com, just live checking this. Yeah, Indiegogo.com. Search for, the, search for the Empire Strikes store and it will be there. It's the only Empire Strikes store. There's T-shirts, all sorts of things you can get your, get your hands on uh, for the relevant um cash but you know like you can donate as little as one pound uh which i think about 1.2 dollars keeps changing um or you know just tweeting about it all support helps really if you can't give any money um or you just don't want to which probably won't blame you for um just you know tweeting about it um sharing it on facebook any kind of support actually really, all really genuinely genuinely does help um one other theory that really well i say it's not a theory um it made me laugh actually write most of these theories and you, I'm sure you've seen this. There's a meme out there, um, and it's split screen, and you've got the stormtrooper bumping his head, the, the the moment, and then below it you've got Snoke with his sort of scar yeah. in that pretty much mm -hmm. that position of where where the head strike happened. Enjoyed that one. Well, I have coined a little saying in Star Wars fandom, and I it know. goes. Your Snoke theory sucks. That's an entertaining uh, theory, but uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's, 
let's let's hit some calls. Let's go to Ross that uh, I chatted to at the start of the show. Uh, Ross, what is on your mind? Hey again. Um, yeah, cheers. Thanks for uh, talking through that. It was really cool. Looking forward to checking out the checking out the project. My question or thought really was, I was I was really interested in sort of the Knights of Ren in the lead up to the Force Awakens and really really liked the concept art in the Art of Force Awakens book but we only saw them for a split second and there hasn't really been much mentioned about them so far in lead up to the last jedi other some other than some potential spoiler bits but now we've got this all this introduction of like Snoke's elite Praetorian guards and new stormtroopers etc etc um so I was just really thinking about sort of if, there's, if they're going to leave much space for the, the Knights of Ren to get the sort of attention or development that they deserve, as there's going to be this abundance of background First Order characters now coming into The, the Last Jedi. Um, so, yeah, guys, I just I sort of wanted to know your thoughts on that. Are you into the Knights of Ren? Are you not really bothered about them? And just, yeah, those, those kind of characters that you got sort of amped for or interested in, in The Force Awakens that you didn't see much of or any at all, a.k.a. Zuvio, um, if, they were, if they were cut out of the movie or if they weren't given much time, which ones would you be, like, bothered about? Or do you want to see more of the Knights of Ren if that's something that you're interested in? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that scene where they appeared in the Force back. You know, there's, there's, there's my understanding is that they were, you know, a part of the, the destruction of the, the Jedi training school of, of Luke's. You know, we saw that with the fire. And it would be, like, I definitely, like, if they're going to do flashbacks and stuff, that, that's a scene I, I desperately want to see more of. And if you look at uh, the Last Jedi teaser, they do show what appears to be a, another angle of, of that scene at, uh, at the Jedi Academy. Now, um, it, 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 as hard as it may be to, uh, I don't know, to come to grips with, it, it, the Knights of Ren could be this trilogy's like Sifo Dyas. Remember Sifo Dyas in Attack of the Clones? And we thought yeah. we'd find out all about that. And then, <laughs> like, I, I was sort of like, that was one of my big things going into Revenge of the Sith was like, Going to find out about this Sifo Dyas. What's, what's that guy's <laughs> caper? But um, unfortunately, when uh, George was writing the script, he, he, he pulled a Jamie and not a Kurtz and, and totally forgot <laughs> to follow up on that thread. It Jamie, do you, do, you, do you track sort of the, uh, like the, the modern fandom and, and the way rumours come together for the upcoming films? I'm sort of... Uh, I'm 50-50 with watching trailers and reading potential spoilers. I have the best intentions of never, ever reading or watching anything, but I, 90% of the time, naturally forget about those intentions and end up reading and watching. So I'm sort of, I'm always wanting to know less, but I end up knowing more. And I would be quite cool not finding out any more about the Knights of Ren to keep them, you know, as these mysterious characters that look really cool but at the same time i would be equally very happy to find out more about them and as you mentioned i think we are going to see more of that uh force back flashback 
and 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 that's and that's fine because there's a lot of questions that are, are left from that from what we've seen so far. One thing that I can add is that I play football with a Knight of Ren soccer. Yeah, that is that is one of the all-time best little casual name drops ever. Thank you very much. Yeah, Mark Stanley. Uh, he, if you Google image him, you might recognise him from Game of Thrones. He was Gren. Uh, he was in, um, I think, in about for, for about three three seasons maybe before he naturally met his uh, comeuppance. Uh, he he in in the UK he's doing some pretty good um, BBC dramas and getting decent roles. Like he was uh, someone quite big in an Oliver Twist thing recently, but not Oliver Twist. Um, he he disappears a lot from playing football on a Wednesday night, and he disappeared for quite some time. And then the Fourth Awakens comes out, and I suppose uh, a lot of the actors that we don't see in the trailers or that we, that we knew were going to be returning for the film, the sort of the minor characters start to appear on the uh, convention circuit. Uh, rosters and I saw I saw a Knight of Ren on the, it was for London Film and Comic Con and, and I was looking at it and I saw a Knight of Ren I saw the picture you know in the rain and I thought oh, cool like, I, I love those guys I know nothing about them and then under it I see the name Mark Stanley that's my mate who I play football with so uh-huh. he was uh, I mean I have to say, we get annoyed when people don't turn up for football because we rely on getting uh, certain numbers obviously for a good game but the fact that he was sneaking off to go and be a Knight of Ren in The Force Awakens that's okay by me, but he's, he's still never really spoken about it. He, he, he sort of doesn't seem to know anything about his own role. He, he, he may as well have been Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, uh, I suppose. But yeah, he, he, as you'd imagine, he knows absolutely nothing. And he said it's the kind of role he these days tries not to take, um, essentially an extra part, but he had to do it because it was Star Wars. And he didn't okay, so, Star Wars game. But, so when he but, went... So I told you nothing, really, but... But he went missing. Has, did he, like, about a year ago, go missing again? Has he gone missing another time? Good question. Um, I could go back through the WhatsApp group. Uh, that might take some time, delving through the archive. But to be honest, he's, he's very flaky. Like, but like I say, he's doing a lot of... He's, he's one of those rare, busy actors, so he could be doing anything. But I would have to say, in answer to your question, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's not coming to a stag do. In a couple of weeks, when do they start filming uh, the next one? Oh Probably no, not that's yet. not that's not for a while. Maybe there's a reshoot, but that that's an interesting yeah. um, that's an interesting way for him to get out of. Like, is he is he just being lazy and can't be bothered playing soccer, or is he hanging out with Kylo Ren? We'll never know. I think the former is probably more likely, but then again, they don't need him back, do they? Because it was such a split second moment. I mean, they just need someone of a similar height, don't they? They don't need Mark Stanley, otherwise known as Gren from Game of Thrones. Um, he, can, he can come and play football with me. They don't need him back in it. So, yeah, but Star Wars has this great history of getting people back for no reason. That's like, true. That's true. Do you know what I mean? The fact that Jeremy Bullock got brought back in Return of the Jedi to be Boba Fett again, like, you know, it, 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 it didn't have to go that way, do you know what I mean? But um, no, and he, they, was, they, 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 he was a sorry, yeah, he was a pilot as well, wasn't he? In um, one of the prequels, was it Revenge of the Sith? Maybe no, he was a pilot in the Phantom Menace. Right. 
Yeah, I think he um, he got blown up at the uh, at the start by the uh, the trade federation, if my uh, memory serves me well. Um, thanks very much, Ross. Good to hear from you, buddy. Cheers. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, uh, with these people, sort of, you know, one person being the Knights of Ren, and then maybe replaced with another person, you'll probably then get people on the on the convention circuit saying, like. I'm Knights of Ren. No, no, I'm the Knights of Ren. And then, then there's a whole <laughs> lot of shenanigans with that. Oh, and I just want to with your, uh, your football team, if, uh, if you lose a game, um, does the guy sort of go around slaughtering the other, like, other <laughs> team members? The kind of thing that happens when he gets mad? <laughs> um, no. Um, but sometimes, right, so basically we have a big WhatsApp group of sort of 20 people we need 10 minimum to get a game for either side. Uh, we don't have set teams, so whoever turns up, we'll look at what, what colours you're wearing, what's, what's the best match. So um, you, you, you can end up uh, playing with different people every week, the same people, but different people on different teams. So I've played with Mark. I've been on the same team as him. So does that make me a Knight of Ren? <laughs> you can go in the circuit. <laughs> he, he, yeah. Oh, that would be wonderful. I wouldn't complain about that. I'd be uh, Jeremy Bullock vibing that. Um, but no, he he doesn't slaughter um, people at the end of a match. But maybe <laughs> when uh, that potential aspect of his character comes out, maybe in a future film, perhaps he'll start to flaunt it on the pitch. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I think Ross brings up an interesting point in you know with all these background actors and and you making this documentary. It is. It's going to be a, um, you know, a bump a couple of years for stenographers worldwide. The, the industry is going to have a, an influx of income from uh, all these background actors claiming to be these masked Star Wars characters. Yeah, and there is, there is demand for it. I mean, one video I did quite recently, and I'm not, sometimes I'm just plugging my videos, um, was with Ingvild and she, you know, she's given up on me actually pronouncing her surname correctly, Ingvild Delia. She's a Norwegian, British-based actress, and she was the CGI layer in Rogue One. So it was her body, obviously, the CGI uh, head, face. Mm-hmm. And she's already... Um, it, it took some time after Rogue One was released, and obviously, I suppose, Carrie Fisher then becoming a very sensitive subject around Christmas time. Um, she was um, embargoed uh, to talk about it at all. I mean, the guy who stood in for Peter Cushing was already doing interviews when she was still being told no wait so i don't know how much uh, carrie fisher's passing had to do with that was it becoming you know having another layer of sensitivity over it but as soon as she was she had the embargo released um she started doing interviews she got signed up by two convention agents i think one for europe one for the states and yeah she's she's doing them uh she's doing them all summer as far as i can see and and she can't believe it because really she just stood there you, know, you don't see a face, but that's the beauty of Star Wars, isn't it? We want to meet yeah, it is. people. It is. Um, cheers, Ross. Good to hear from you. Cheers, and good luck with your uh, LA podcast. Ah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good, good, good time to sizzle. Uh, next uh, Sunday, the 25th of June, we'll be at uh, the Nerd Melt Theatre at the back of Meltdown Comics doing a live episode of Steel Wars at 4pm. So if you are in the uh, LA, Southern Californian area, 
come down. It is the $10. I've got one more guest who can confirm, but I can give everyone a scoop and let you know that Chris Gore from Film Threat will be one of our guests. And uh, Chris appeared, I think, on day four of our Star Wars Celebration coverage. And uh, he gave us a very impassioned, quick interview talking Star Wars and, and Luke Skywalker and stuff. So I can't wait to uh, talk to him long form in front of uh, you guys. And there's, there's people coming up from San Diego and a few people flying down from San Francisco. So it's really cool. But if you're in the area, make sure you are there. Uh, before we go to the bonus time for our Patreon supporters, which if you're listening live, you'll be able to listen to that as well. We'll take one more call and we will go to upstate New York for Patreon supporter Colleen. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? I am so well. What is on your mind this afternoon in New York? Um, well, it's just funny that things have come to this, that Lindo and I actually had a very similar idea to Jamie's. Uh, so I was just wondering his opinion on it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. we, we were wondering if you had any interest in finding the actor behind Wilro Hood. I'm interested in finding all the actors, all of them. I'll snap them up. Um, so I'm not going to lie because I could just lie and, um, and say that I know exactly who you're talking about, but I'm not that kind of guy, Curly. So uh, tell me more. Tell me more about Wilro Hood. Uh, Wilro Hood was the starring character in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, he was top billed. He had an ice cream maker, uh, and he ran through the the inner inner workings of Cloud City in an orange jumpsuit, kind of a beer belly, and some amazing facial hair. Uh, and apparently, to this day, no one knows who this amazing ice cream man is. Okay, I have just googled him, and he is kind of familiar. I'm told species human, gender male, hair color black, eye color brown. That's all I need. I'll find him. Yeah, he he's turned into a bit of a uh, a cult character in the background. Fans demanded, I think it was in the uh, the mid two thousands, and they got their demands met by Hasbro, and he he, he got a uh, an action figure. Uh, the action being the carrying of an ice cream maker, which actually was <laughs> a um, a nineteen seventy nine edition ice cream maker. I always thought it looked like an ice cream maker. But no, ice cream maker. There's a great tradition. Yeah, there's a great tradition at Star Wars celebrations. They do the running of the Wilro Hood, and you'll see, you know, twenty to fifty cosplaying Wilro Hoods like sprinting through the uh, convention, trying to escape Cloud City. So, (laughs) the uh, to track him down would be a huge (laughs) win, Jamie. I'm looking now. I've just Googled Will Rowood uh, Hood actor. And, yeah, this I might have to um, put the Empire Strikes door to one side because this would be a full-time job by the looks of things. But, honestly, you know what? I am genuine. I, I mean, hopefully he's alive because then it sort of becomes impossible if he's not. I would absolutely be up for it. And maybe we can all work together. 
on this one. That that is so that is inspiring to hear. I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> I don't know, Jamie. <laughs> if, if he is dead, if you can afford a polygraph, sure you can afford a seance. <laughs> yeah, we can't rule anything out, can we? Really, yeah. War overhead. I I feel I feel like I feel bad for not for not knowing, but I I miss these kind of things or I forget about them. Uh, I've been to quite a lot of celebrations. When I say quite a lot, I mean two, both that are in the UK. Um, I, I, yeah, but I'm up for it. <laughs> Thank God, mystery... because this has been keeping me awake at night. Oh, you've got a, uh, a an ice cream man headache. I do. But <laughs> Linda and I would be so happy if we could assist you in any way, and I know we'd be very happy to support you in whatever Thank way you. possible. Yeah. Reach out. Let's keep talking about this because, um, you know, this could be my side project. I guess you will happily um, be your side project. I mean, I wanted to find if, if if I could write a wish list of the uh, the actors, the characters I'd like to find, it will be the Rancor Keeper and Porkins. But both of those actors, unfortunately, have uh, have, have perished, so oh. I can't find them. But you know, that's that's really the issue when it comes to some of these characters, because I mean, even Billy D. Williams wasn't a particularly young man when he was in Empire Strikes Back. He was like in his 40s i believe early 40s so you know a lot of them are uh, obviously very old these days and or just dead uh, it's got very morbid isn't it really this yeah <laughs> <laughs> but imagine the success story jamie if you do track down wilro hood and then at star wars celebration in a couple of years he's there handing out ice creams he's making a fortune <laughs> selling his ice creams <laughs> Do you think this guy's even aware of his uh, his legacy, his legend? I don't, I don't think I think he's obscure enough that like it's he probably won it. Because I just wonder why he. I mean, I have to say I'm sort of leaning towards uh, Death's Door here, not not personally, or uh, but I, I just feel he must not be with us anymore because why has a convention not snapped him up, you know? That's a, that's a... Well, okay, then let's move on to the possibility of a seance. We'll get a little <laughs> bit of his hair <laughs> and that exact ice cream maker, and we will call out to him. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Love it. <laughs> All right, well, we're on our way, Colleen. I hope you and Lindo can uh, rest a little easier now. I think we will. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for calling in, buddy. It's good to hear from you. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Yeah. All righty. So what we're going to do is we'll hit bonus time for the Patreon uh, supporters and those listening live. Uh, if you're listening on delay in iTunes and you want to hear the bonus show, it is just $3 a month and you get all the back episodes delivered to your podcast application of choice and you help the little podcast to continue because in this day and age some things are listener uh, or viewer supported much like Segway Jamie's project to determine which stormtrooper did actually hit their head in the Empire strikes door now uh, Jamie is an absolutely useless sizzler 
of enter um, of information. So uh, in the show notes will be the Indiegogo link to thank you the, uh, to the project. Uh, someone in the chat room has posted already. But um, when is the um, oh okay? So thank you, Chris. It is Indiegogo.com forward slash projects forward slash the dash empire dash strike dash door dash film dash Star Wars and then hashtag and slanty thing that's underneath the question mark on your keyboard. What is, I've, I've blanked on what that is called, but uh, at least I got most of the address out. Anyway, but it'll be in the show notes. Now, Chris, I mean, sorry, Chris posted it. Jamie, when is the deadline for this project to wrap up for the, uh, the actual crowdfunding? So I would like to get the mini documentary out there in December. Um, that will really deter- that'll be determined by how close to the goal we get to. So far, we're not doing very well. But I mean, whatever happens, a version will be made. Uh, the very minimum I need to get those polygraph uh, tests sorted. And basically, what I'm doing now is stalling because I don't know how long it's got left. But I can find out. I can tell you, it's about three weeks. It's about three weeks. We went for the maximum two months. And it's a flexible one. So actually, it, there's no real deadline because when the deadline passes in three weeks, um, it, you can still actually contribute, I'm told. Um, so it would be nice, obviously, after three weeks to know what our budget is. And then I can plan for the version that we can afford. But people can still uh, chip in, you know, in November, presumably, uh, or in years to come. Very, very cool. And there is a, a bunch of different levels. For two pounds, you can get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, you oh, can yeah. get shout-out tweets. You can get your name in the documentary credits at the £10 level. There is also uh, advanced screenings. There is art packs, badges of honour, and a T-shirt bundle. I always like it when you can help something out and you know, get a little bit of merch in return. So uh, check out all that. And Jamie, have you got any upcoming guests on these are the actors you are looking for that you can sizzle to our audience? Um, no, no. You really big me up then as well. And I've got nothing. I've got nothing for you. It's more fizzled and sizzle. Um, I have really talked the last, um, uh, since I finally got the Billy D. Williams um, episode out, which was a, a long time coming, I have really been focusing on uh, this and a couple other little non-Star Wars related projects in my life. Um, so no, I'm actually, um, and this is something else I'm always open to, if people have ideas, we've had one already on, on this podcast, which is great, I'm more than up to people sending me ideas of uh, characters, stroke actors that I can, I can track down, you know, and it's, I'm in the UK and I'm in a lucky position where a lot of the actors are based here, but equally if they're not, you know, it's, it's possible. It's possible on the Skype and the FaceTime, like I did with Ahmed Beth. So at the moment it's uh, I wouldn't even say it's a hiatus. It's just, I've just literally got all my content out there. Um, but I am looking to um, sort of uh, stock up again on interviews. So if anyone wants to get in touch and suggest more people that I can track down, I'm, I'm all ears. Very cool. But uh, yeah, there is some great uh, interviews already up there. So if you haven't already uh, hit up YouTube, these are the actors you're looking for. And there is some impressive guests 
that admittedly, as a Star Wars interviewer, I'm a little bit jealous of, Jamie. I've, I've got guest envy. I've got guest envy. Oh, well, a- anyone you want, I can, apart from Billy D. Williams, I can, I can send you away. I'm, I can pimp them out to you. Not a problem. We can talk. Nice. And to Jamie's credit, he has, he has helped me uh, try to get someone already. So I appreciate that. Thanks to everyone in the chat room for chatting along, and we will continue into the bonus time. Next episode, we will have the guys from Black Series Rebels, the YouTube show uh, they will be co-hosting, and that will be on our more traditional time of uh, if you're in America, it is Friday night. If you are in Australia, it's around midday. And if you're in the UK, you are staying up hella late till uh, about uh, 1 or 2 a.m. Let us hit that bonus content. All right, on the line, we have got a mysterious number that starts with 447795. If you've been on hold uh, for about 20 minutes, that is probably you. Who are you and where are you calling from? Hi, Steele. It's, it's Chris from the UK. Chris, how you doing, buddy? You have been uh, a wealth of information in the <laughs> chat room. You, you should get a role as Jamie's hype man because... You uh, have got the art of the sizzle way more down than our uh, documentary producing pal. Uh, what is on your mind <laughs> this evening in the UK? Uh, well, firstly, um, sorry about that tweet earlier on. You'll know what I'm talking about with the Disney lunatic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah got nothing to yeah. apologise for. <laughs> well, yeah, I tagged you, and I, I was like, "Oh no, this is going horribly, horribly pear shaped." But never mind. Oh no! But the best thing was, I I enjoyed it. Like, it it makes me feel like a saner person to interact with someone that's uh, <laughs> got their value system so twisted. So you were it was a, a Saturday morning thrill for me. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, just one thing on mind. Um, Charlie asked me to ask you something Jamie so uh, uh, apparently you recently done the interview hey guys I hope you enjoyed that super fun live call-in show and thanks to Jamie if you want to check out his Empire Strikes Door project the link is in the show notes and as we do every week we recorded a patreon member bonus show i think this one goes for about 40 minutes in that we talk to jamie about his starwars.com interview with the band kasabian jamie's very awkward interview with darth vader himself dave prouse Jamie gives some really interesting insights on that one and Prowse's excommunication from official Star Wars events. Young Jacob, one of our favourite callers from Sydney, calls in to admit he's not very impressed with Jamie's project, which is hilarious. We talk lightsabers and Jacob gives his ruling 
on the Heli Savers, a really fun bonus show that we do every week. And for $3 a month, you can hear those bonus shows along with all the exclusive supporter content. There is, I think, maybe over 200 uh, episodes up now on the Steel Wars Patreon page. And how it works is $3 a month and you get a exclusive RSS feed that you can paste in seconds into any podcast app of choice and you will have unfiltered access to our entire back catalogue and all the exclusive supporter content. And you'll listen with the warm knowledge you're helping to support the continued production of the Steel Wars podcast. You can get all the information on steelwars.com or you can go direct to patreon.com forward slash steel wars. Now, our next live call-in show will feature the guys from the Black Series Rebels YouTube show, which I appeared on this week and you should check out. Uh, I've posted the link on Facebook and Twitter or just go on to YouTube and uh, search Black Series Rebels, and it's a really fun YouTube show. But uh, they'll be joining us, and it will be at our regular time at uh, Friday night, if you are in the USA, and around the middle of the day, Saturday, if you are in Australia. And if you're in the UK, it's super late Friday night or early Saturday morning. I think it's 1 or 2 a.m., but... All the times will be posted by now on steelwars.com for your local area. If you just click on the link and it will come up with your local time, which is rather convenient. So uh, make sure you are around for that. If you're available, we always love new callers. And also this week, the classic interview episodes return and we've got a banger with Neam Num himself, Mike Quinn. I've uh, just wrapped up the interview. Super excited to get it out to you. So uh, stay tuned for that one. And of course, if you want to support the show in a non-financial way, get on iTunes, write one of those sweet five-star reviews, or give us a retweet or share on Twitter or Facebook, or you can regram us on Instagram. You can swipe left or right on tinder for us if we had a tinder account i'm not sure which way is the right way because i'm a married man how did we end up here in the post episode sizzle i don't know but i hope you enjoyed the show check out the patreon there's a bunch of different levels uh but you know three dollars a month will get you all the bonus content really appreciate it and may that force be with you
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Also, for more Star Wars podcasting, check out the Making Star Wars Podcast Network at makingstarwars.net. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 